Hello, everyone. Welcome back to For the Girls. What an incredible race in Singapore. That was so exciting. We have a lot to discuss. We'll also be giving you a brief Japanese Grand Prix preview. And also, if you haven't checked out our indie vlog on YouTube, definitely check that out. Gives a good sense of what the fan experience is like at an indie race. We had the best time. And also subscribe on YouTube. Lots more vlogs and video interviews to come this year. So we'll get right into it. I'm Sarah. I'm Tiggy. And I'm Chessa. Okay, guys, main takeaways from what was probably the best morning of our lives, of our years, of our falls. <laughs> not to be dramatic. <laughs> of our falls so far. I mean, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I think we can all – we all feel that same way. This is what it's all about. Like, period. Full stop. Um, having four cars within five seconds of each other for the last 10 laps of a race is – it's like the gift that keeps on giving. I think this is – I just wish that if, like anyone was doubting the season at all and like had stopped watching that they watched this race because it was just really had everything. It had the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, and I just cannot wait to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, what a race. It was such a treat to get to watch drivers race till the very last lap. I feel like yeah. it's hard to think of many recent times where we've had that luxury <laughs> <laughs> and that excitement. My heart was definitely pounding. I was in the discord. Everybody's heart seemed to be pounding. So I'm so happy for Carlos. Super well-deserved, which is always a fun thing to watch as a fan too, when someone really earns it. Uh, 308-day Red Bull streak is broken, which is crazy. Who's counting? (laughs) uh, Who's counting? Uh, I would have loved to see Lando with his first win. He seemed like he could have potentially had it there, but super happy for his P2 and, of course, very happy for Hamilton. Tough day for lots of people in the office, George, Ocon, Yuki, Alonso. But, yeah, this race gave us so much. Tire strategy was fun. Safety car pit stops made things interesting. And I'm excited to talk about Liam Lawson. Same star potentially. (laughs) Also, the way Tiggy phrased it about wanting a Lindo win was so funny. Tiggy was like, "I can't get greedy. We're gonna have a surprise podium. I'm asking too much." I know. (laughs) I'm like, first, I would love to see a little bit of a shakeup in the winning capacity in the winning category. But you know, if I'm gonna wish for that, I might as well also wish for Lando winning. You know, but it's 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 a tall order. Never say never. We still have next weekend. Exactly. This race was great. The first 40 laps were not the most exciting thing in the world. So Sam, I also really hope people who have been less than thrilled by this season didn't tune out after that because the end of the race just absolutely delivered. It was super interesting to see Red Bull have to struggle through some big car setup problems this weekend. Excited to talk about those issues, how they handled that, just having a car that was not working with the circuit. Mercedes made a bold strategy call to sacrifice P2 to pit for the win. They were charging through the pack for that thriller at the end. Also, I was super super impressed by Sainz and Ferrari's race management. Sainz looking like a bit of a number one driver over there. I don't know. (laughs) And the McLaren huge upgrade package on Lando's car, which was just practically their third car of the season, looked amazing. And can't wait for Japan. I feel like we have a lot of excitement to come. That we do. Okay, for our MVPs, I'm going to give it to our two youngest drivers on the grid, Liam Lawson, Oscar Piastri. Yes. Just what drives from both of them. For Liam, I think the announcer said it was the first time ever that a driver has scored maiden points at Singapore. Yeah. I did not fact check that, but they said it and they were wrong about some other facts during this race, which we'll get (laughs) to, but (laughs) I'll take that one on face value. Um, Yeah. I do. I'm excited to talk about this with you guys and whether we think he's making his case for a full-time seat, but it's definitely trending that direction. 
And then just for Oscar, making up 10 places to get into the points from 17th to 7th. And there was a lot of chaos. And yes, people DNF'd, but like really incredible drive. So good for the youngins. Definitely. I have to go with signs. I think it was really just a masterclass of a drive with managing his pace, managing the pack behind him, be able to conserve his tires, really just running the race how he wanted to run it and having such control over the field, making his own tactical call at the end to slow down, let Lando within DRS range to prevent Lando from getting overtaken by the Mercedes. I think just one of his best drives ever. It was super impressive all around. Yeah. Um, he's definitely one of like my MVPs up there, I would say the lizard lizards during <laughs> Godzilla's child. Yeah, yeah, Godzilla or the child. Everyone. Yeah, exactly. The, that whole storyline was one of my MVPs. And then I'm going to throw it to Lando too. Of course, we would have loved to see him win. But like, damn, for being such a young guy, he is such a class act. He races so smart. He's so eloquent when he talks. And yeah, I was just really happy for him. And he managed the race so well. There was after the race, they were talking to him and they were looking or talking about George going off right at the last second. And he was like, yeah, I hit that wall on my last few turns too. And like he just managed to keep the car in control. So stunning. Yeah. I also love too, I was worried he was going to be a little bummed having such a mega result and such a fast car and feeling like maybe a win was within reach with how close they were. But he was just so thrilled and also so genuinely happy for Carlos. So that was yeah. good to see. Exactly. The Carlando relationship, I'm excited to talk about that too. They're like, they're not teammates anymore, but they still act like it, which is very sweet. So I was super happy to see that teamwork, for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah, I guess says something about F1 that they seem like better friends and doing more teamwork <laughs> when not on the same team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How about LVPs? How about, yeah, how about LVPs? Um, The Red Bull car? I mean, it must be so devastating for the team to just – not I'm literally at a loss for words because it's one thing to be on your back foot like a lot of the other teams have been but to go from like being so far ahead and having such an insane car to really being not really knowing what's going on that must have been really hard yeah we'll definitely get more into that I was kind of surprised at how not positive but kind of okay they seemed after the weekend so we'll definitely get into that I think for me Lance Stroll his crash was so scary so glad he's okay it was just a horrific crash but it was really just yet another stark reminder of the huge delta between him and Alonzo all season. The BBC podcast after Quali had a super interesting discussion of this, and they were basically saying the only reason – I think we all know this on some level, but they were just saying super bluntly the only reason we're not having discussions every week about his replacement is because of his dad. But they were even getting into discussion on the BBC podcast of like, oh, our other board level – people going to start trying to stage an intervention. <laughs> they were very – Yeah. Yeah. Very, We've talked about uh, this on the podcast. It's not like his dad is the 100% owner of that team. There are shareholders. There are investors. There are sponsors. There are a lot of people that need to be – you know, you need to be thinking of in terms of like a financial investment perspective and it's difficult. Definitely. No matter if someone's the son of the boss or not. I think it becomes at some point like a strategic investment decision of like, <laughs> can we deliver be. on our promises with this, which is tough. Definitely. For me, I am going to go with Yuki's DNF and his DNF last weekend. I think Liam's performing well point blank, like even with, with Yuki in or out of the picture, he's definitely proving himself, but I would love to see Yuki in the races to actually like compare them or have a better point of comparison. And I think it's tough 
for Yuki not to have a chance to prove himself a bit more while Danny is out. You know, if he's had now two races in a row, he hasn't been able to do anything past the first lap. It's like, yeah, it's really tough. So definitely. But I also, I guess we'll get into this, but I think the stake is kind of already in the ground with Liam out qualifying him multiple times. I think that's in a sense, like all you need to know, even if he has DNFs during races. So we shall discuss. Yeah, we'll discuss. <laughs> I feel like we're j- jumping the gun on all of our major discussion points. I love it. <laughs> Before we get there, let's talk about our hot takes. Um, round of applause, I think, for a lot of people's hot takes. I Well, not my – I had Checo winning, so obviously that was not a good one. But I did have a Mercedes on podium, which we did have. So I'm happy. I was also one for two. Um, I said Albon top five, so no luck on that. But I said Liam's first points, and that there happened. So super exciting. P9. That's That was a big yeah, one. Points plural, so not just point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give myself 100% because I just said a surprise podium, which I defined as not <laughs> a Red Bull Ferrari Mercedes, so Lando counts. And then I think just generally not having a Red Bull even in Q3 or on the podium also counts. That's the, that is the surprise podium. The yeah. surprise is the, is the podium. <laughs> That's the so thing. before we dive in to the race and everything, we wanted to just give a quick note or a shout from one of our listeners, Rossine, who is at the Singapore Grand Prix in person. She gave us some incredible on the ground takeaways. So just to set the scene for all the action this weekend. So She was saying that the whole crowd was just on the edge of their seats for the last few laps of the race. Like there was collective heartbreak for every single DNF (laughs) and the crowd was just generally super supportive, which she said was really cool to see in terms of fandom. She said tons of Mercedes and McLaren fans in particular, and also lots of Joe and Alex fans, which is cool. And the heat apparently just insanity. I think we know this and you know, we hear about the physicality all the time, but she was like, they're definitely not joking around about the physicality of this race. Like even just sitting in her grandstand, she said it was really hard to handle. So good for, good for all these drivers who stuck it out and managed to, to pull through. Unbelievable. Yeah. So let's talk about practice. It was a pretty clean sweep. Ferrari kind of came through. They were ahead on all three of them. So Nice little setting the stage for the weekend. Like we said, there was some lizard action on the track and every driver seemed to have like a very specific relationship with whatever lizard was on the track and (laughs) had like cute little radio moments. Well, and then the not cute moment was apparently Alonso ran it over. I don't know if that was just a rumor or the media, but that has been going around. It did die and they were trying to figure out who killed it. So, it would be Alonso. Let's I mean, be no, real. It checks out. <laughs> well, it was funny. The announcers are being so funny talking about it and having this big debate over what flag you would use. Because apparently at one point <laughs> they put out the flag that gets used for oil or kind of a substance on the track, Ooh, which apparently is sometimes gross. used for animals on the track, but is not entirely <laughs> accurate. And someone was like, oh, well, it could be. Ha ha. Like if someone runs over the lizard. <laughs> Ew. Gross. Um, anyways, um, to round out the practice news, uh, Max was not very happy with Red Bull's pace. He said openly, like they were struggling with the car and, and the car's balance. So they finished P3, PA and P4, or he finished P3, PA and P4 respectively in all the different practice sessions. So not a good yeah, we were talking about this while it was going on and I was definitely a little bit skeptical if it was actually as bad as they were saying, or if it was just kind of 
humble pessimism and humility, but I will eat my words. I They were not sandbagging. So it actually was as bad as they said. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I do think it is very Red Bull to, to kind of be saying, oh, the balance is off, something's not yeah. feeling quite right in the setup. But I think what stood out to me was Checo said something along the lines of, I literally can't break, like the break, something along the lines yeah. of not being able to turn. I was just like, oh, this this seems like there are some issues. <laughs> but that's like <laughs> happened over various weekends where Max will get on the radio and be like, I can't like do any of this or I'm sliding <laughs> around. And then it's like, okay, you cruise 20 seconds ahead of everybody. So I was like, I'll believe it when I see it. But And boy, did you. I did. I saw <laughs> did it. Did we? <laughs> we came, we saw, we conquered. <laughs> Uh, for quali, it was a night quali. The track temp was 35 degrees Celsius or 95 degrees Fahrenheit, so not as hot as during the day, but still toasty. In Q1, there was a ton of traffic and impeding from turns 16 through 19 in that third sector that was investigated afterwards. The track got so much faster on literally the last lap, so there was just a ton of traffic. Yuki went fastest was the first driver in the 131s and then Holgenberg, Magnuson, and Lawson got in the top five as well. Then Stroll had just that absolutely massive crash at the very end as the clock was at zero. So everyone was on their last flying lap if they had gone across the line in time. And one of the announcers said a decade or so ago that would have been unsurvivable, which is such a horrifying statement and just a reminder of just with the survival shell and the halo, just how important all of these safety reforms have been. And David Coulthard mentioned that there should be a sensor of an immediate red flag going off if they hit a certain G, which the capability is already there because they have the G sensors in the car that get automatically triggered for you having to go to the medical center to get checked, which was Mm. obviously hit by this crash. So that could be another indicator for an automatic red flag since it did take a second. Like Suzuka last year, that was the main problem is they weren't fast enough with the red flag. And then the tractor was out and Gasly was flying by because he like couldn't see it in time. It's like that to me seems like such an obvious thing to add, you know? Yeah, definitely. And it was horrible luck for Piastri. He couldn't get his last lap in and it got eliminated. And he narrowly, both McLarens had to take divergent action to avoid stroll and that was really what's so scary because that's what we've seen in the fatal accidents at Spa is someone having a heavy impact, heavy shunt, getting thrown back out of the track and then getting hit by another car at high speed that can't, in the cases at Spa, it's been a visibility issue. But same, like if any, if there had been either a visibility problem or either McLaren hadn't seen him in time, like they had to zigzag pretty severely. Yeah, yeah. He was close and to the super quickly line. because it was right around the corner. Yeah, yeah. So that was really, really scary. So for out, we had Botas, Piastri, Sergeant, Joe, and Stroll. For Q2, we had a very delayed start to Q2 just because of that red flag. More impeding drama there. Max was impeding Yuki and got investigated, but that did not result in any punishments. He kind of got just, I think, a couple of reprimands, which people were not stoked about, but we digress. Um, The Red Bull was definitely sliding around a bit. The announcers were being... Their comments, Terry was so funny. It was like, that car looked like a gecko with super glue earlier this season. Like, what is going on? And Max said, he was like, if this was a drift race, I'd be winning in this car. So it just seemed like really tough. And then in the biggest, like if we are living in a simulation, this was a glitch. Liam Lawson (laughs) knocked Max Verstappen out of Q2 by 0.007 seconds, which is just crazy. 
like could you imagine <laughs> that was an insane moment the announcers were genuinely screaming which was warranted like i think everyone was just <laughs> like what on earth is going on and also it was nice for checko that kind of the main storyline was not Checo getting eliminated. The storyline was Max getting eliminated. <laughs> yeah. You know, in our discard, Discord, everybody was like, Liam Lawson is the fastest Red Bull driver this weekend, <laughs> which is so funny, like a rookie. And I will not say the word that was used, but in like a less than great car, <laughs> it was the fastest yeah. Red Bull driver of the weekend. So for Q2, we had Max out, Gasly, Checo, Albon, and Yuki and yeah, just crazy that both Red Bulls were out in Q2. It was the first time since Russia in 2018 that neither Red Bull made it to Q3. And they, Whoa. they oh my so god, mad. Their radios were totally bleeped out. The cameras were really zooming in on their angry walks. Someone said something hilarious in our Discord. They were like, those cameramen have, those camera people have strength that I could never have. <laughs> yeah, I saw one of them. Like, and Max was like, yeah. get out of the way. Yeah. Um, I was thinking that too today with we'll get into this, but Ocon and George too. They they were not happy with some yeah. of the cameramen following yeah. that. Yeah, it's tough. It's like these people are doing their jobs, but yeah, it's a very private, angry, sensitive moment, you know. <laughs> For Q three, like we said, it was amazing to see Liam get in and we had both Hosses in Q three. So ending we had the starting order for the race as signs on P1 or on pole, Russell, Charles, Lando, Hamilton, K-Mag, Alonso, Akon, Ulkenberg, and Lawson. So Sainz continued his top form. So nice for him to get pole again. And we just got to – I got to do a shout-out to the Haas Instagram. They were, like, so on it <laughs> once they both got Q3. And they put both of the drivers in an ice bath, and they're like, teammates who Q3 together, ice bath together. And, <laughs> and the Gunther picture of his face, like <laughs> – when you get into Q2, or when, when both drivers get into Q3. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. For the race, we'll get into some main highlights first before we go by team. It was mostly a one-stop strategy, either medium to hard or soft to hard if you're Charles. Pretty much everyone started on mediums except Max and Checo on hards and Charles on softs. It was an insane start from Ferrari. Charles passed Russell right off the start. It was really a bold move to start him on softs on such an insanely hot circuit, but it clearly paid off, at least at the start. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yuki, like, massive caveat as per usual. Yuki retired on lap one with a puncture, second race in a row that was over for him essentially before it began, which was really sad. Lap 20, Logan went into the barriers, was able to get into the pits, dragging his front wing under the car, but caused a safety car because of the debris, triggered a bunch of pit stops, including a Ferrari double stack. Leclerc had to be held in the pits on the double stack, lost out on two places before that, but the, the double stack was actually quite well executed, and Carlos's stop was really fast. It was just because of all the traffic. I think there was a Mercedes in the way that Charles couldn't yeah. be released. 
Um, but this was a kind of an interesting safety car situation because it wasn't called immediately. All the cars had basically gone through the main debris zone when they called the safety car. Um, it seemed interesting compared to the fact that some of the issues later in the race only were a virtual safety car, but yeah, we digress. There was a lot of debris on the track even after they green flagged it. Which were like, so they did this full safety car and the debris not even cleaned up. <laughs> but then, so lap 44, Ocon retired, which was so sad for him. He had been driving so well. I think he had made up eight places. It was his birthday. So that was just tragic. But he triggered a virtual safety car. Mercedes then did a double stack onto mediums in into clear air, which was awesome. They had had those mediums, and that was different than any every other team strategy-wise. So that allowed them to race back up through the field. But again, sadly, did not end up paying off in the way they'd hoped. At least they got one podium, but they gave up P2 for that kind of, yeah, that dash. But I respect that. I say go bold. Like, I think that was a good move. And like, had things gone slightly differently and had George not crashed maybe on the last lap, we would have been looking at a different podium. But Anyway, like we said, the absolute best last 10-ish laps watching the top four, Sainz, Lando, both both Mercedes just duke it out. The gap was less than two seconds between them with three laps to go. Really could have been anyone's for the taking. (laughs) But then, yeah, there was the Russell crash trying to get past Norris. So we ended with Carlos, Lando, Hamilton on the podium. And like we were saying, apparently Lando also just touched the wall there. So just shows how full out these drivers were going at the end here. It was like they were giving everything. So it was pretty cool. And yeah, we'll discuss the Carlando teamwork that held off the Mercedes on their fresh mediums. I loved Carlos's radio where they were like, gap to Norris is 0.8 seconds. He's like, I know that's on purpose. (laughs) Mic drop. Mic drop. Great radio. It's so good. Okay, let's jump in team by team, starting with the obvious. What the heck happened to Red Bull's car? Um, Really quick, my two cents on this is could it be the new rules around having to secure any flexibility of the front or rear wings and then they completely just lost their downforce? Like To me, that might play into it, but it was a crazy outcome for them. Yeah, I think it seems like it was an interesting problem of also making – set up issues worse by trying to fix them because apparently they were complaining about no grip in the early sessions. So they tried to lower the ride height, lower the car to generate more downforce because you get more downforce when your car is close to the ground to get more grip. And then it's a bumpy street circuit. So the car started bottoming out. So Max was like, I was just hitting the ground, couldn't hit braking points properly. So yeah, it was just kind of a, a chain of bad events after the first attempt. It's just such a mystery to me because when you see perfection race after race after race, like it's not fair of us to have this standard, but you're kind of like, how could that go wrong? You know, <laughs> like you've done well, it this had a lot of street circuits. Yeah. It shows it's a car, not a driver thing, which might, I mean, must feel good a little bit. I don't know. I think it, I think it was interesting how kind of well they seem to be taking it. Like Max after was not nearly as upset as I would have expected in the media pen. He was kind of just like, oh, yeah, we do what we could. Obviously couldn't recover that much. It was a decent drive. He's even said it was fun out there with some, again, <laughs> I guess, since he's not used to getting to do overtakes and getting to do any wheel-on-wheel racing. Um, he, he was talking about how it was fun out there, and Christian, same, was like just kind of – 
pretty chill about it. Like, oh, this had to come to an end eventually, which I think probably helps to some extent. I think they know they broke both the team and the individual consecutive win records. And like, it had to, it just had to end eventually. (laughs) And it seemed like they all knew that it was coming. That's like probably sooner rather than later. I think for Max's reaction, like he definitely was very angry on Saturday and probably just was a little bit more realistic going into Sunday, like what was and wasn't possible with like park firm rules. What I think is funny is like, you know, when you're in college and you are like going, 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 you're doing so well and then you go home for break and then you just get sick because you just like let it all go. I feel like with Red Bull, it's like, okay, we just broke all these records (laughs) <laughs> it's like You're having stress let down yeah stress let down yeah but it was funny we were joking this weekend about like red bull's pr team they have not had to write captions like this forever you know <laughs> like, out of oh, disappointing day out here yeah it's like they're literally out of practice for this like have they had graphics you know for like p whatever p11 and quality like no way it's just crazy tiggy was being so funny she saw christian's instagram captions is like <laughs> whoa there's no way anyone remembered how to write this exactly Exactly. So, so crazy. But yeah, it was wild watching Max in the Haas sandwich for quite a long time. It was, it's a hard Never track thought to overtake. You'd see it. <laughs> I know. K Mag was holding him off at the beginning for many laps. Um, yeah. And Max, of course, was like definitely pushing, pushing, cooking his tires a bit. And the announcers were like, GP's telling him to stop being a naughty boy, <laughs> which is funny. Um, but all in all, like a recovery drive to P5 was super impressive. Unfortunate that he's been dethroned for the first time in 10 races, but, you know, say lovey, like Sarah said, they knew it was going to come to an end eventually. Um, but good for Checo also to get points in P8. Um, he did get a five second penalty after the race for diving in on Albon and causing a collision. He also got a point on his super license for that, a penalty point. So, wow. yeah, sad for Albon. He would have been in the points there. For Carlos, it was his second race win ever. Uh, the announcer said a couple of times that it was his first race win with Ferrari, but he won at Silverstone last year in a very <laughs> yeah. epic race that I'm sure we all remember. So that was kind of funny. But it was Fred Vasseur's first Ferrari win and Ferrari's first win as a team since Austria last year, wow. which is wild. Carlos led the whole thing. It was so well-deserved was looking they just looked so strong all weekend the ceo of ferrari was in the garage which was very fortuitous timing a little good uh, luck for charm. race appearance <laughs> yeah fred on the podium was also a total vibe like pouring <laughs> champagne into carlos's he suit. was so happy <laughs> and the announcers were saying during the podium which was fascinating that which i didn't know that fred was apparently actually ferrari's third or fourth choice to lead the team post Benotto, like that they had made a couple calls and people were apparently declining. I need to know who the first few on that list are. Same, (laughs) I know. Maybe they were like, Toto, wanna (laughs) face the challenge? on over. (laughs) Also, getting to see them singing the Italian national anthem, that was just great. Oh, it felt so so good. Yeah, Chessa, how did it feel as an Italian seeing that impassioned rendition? Yeah, that was great. And then also just not having the Dutch national anthem was nice as well. Um, but anyway so okay so let's talk about is Carlos a number one driver for the team is he a contender to be the number one driver is he already the number one driver what do you guys think I think a couple races isn't enough to say that oh he's he's now the team leader at Ferrari but I think he's made a very solid case that I think like some of the wheel and wheel racing they've allowed recently I think Ferrari is showing that they are going to let the drivers compete on equal footing if they 
are qualifying and racing at similar levels. And what I'm so interested in right now is just Saturday had always been Charles's thing. Like even last year, his Saturday performance compared to Max was just unbelievable. And it's interesting seeing Carlos be able to put those crazy laps together right now when Charles can't. Or at least yeah, can't to I, the same extent that Carlos can. I agree. I feel like I need to see consistency from Carlos to really feel confident in the fact that he can, you know, outperform Charles weekend after weekend because Charles is such a talented driver. Like I really do yeah. not think you can yeah. count Leclerc out of like the number Definitely. one fight. <laughs> But Carlos has really been impressive. You know, we've always known he's had a super clear head when it comes to racing. He calls his own strategy all the time. Like he just, I feel like he's got a really good mind for everything you need as a driver, like in and out of the car. So if he can keep stringing these weekends together, I feel like, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Ferrari was definitely like telling Charles what gap to hold to Carlos from the very beginning of the race. So they really you know, I think they're putting their foot down a little bit on let's see who's the faster driver and like, yeah, let things happen. I'd love to let see Ferrari, like really let them fight it out. Um, and we could see some fun wheel to wheel between the two of them. Okay. Let's talk about Mercedes. So they did really well this weekend. They had an extra set of medium tires for the race, which ended up paying off for them strategy wise, like Tiggy mentioned, but obviously not as well as they would have hoped, but we ended up with Hamilton and P3. It would have been George P3, Hamilton P4, but George had his devastating DNF. He was so upset. The post-race interview was just very, very depressing. But on the brighter side of things, George did have some fun radio moments. He was like, quote, how do I win this? I want to win this. We're on the same page. He was the last non-Red Bull winner of a GP from Brazil last year, which is insane. It was very, very close for him. I feel like he could almost taste it. And it just did not work out for them. But Tiggy, are you happy about this weekend? Yeah, I'm like obviously sad about George and I feel bad for him because it really was his own mistake. Like there's he has no one really to blame but himself for that, which is hard because the car was there. The strategy was there. He was in the perfect position. It was just like literally, like you said, a centimeter or two mistake and that's it. So I felt really bad for him. But yeah, I was super happy with the way Mercedes performed and George's radios are so funny. Like, I want to win. How do I win? It's like, dude, your race engineer knows you want to win and he's probably doing the best he can to like put <laughs> you in that position. One, every F1 driver wants to win. I imagine yeah. Toto listening to this radio being like, sir, I want to win more than anything. So. I know. Like I have 30% stake in this company. So it's yeah. actually very important to me that we win. <laughs> we are on the same page. So. Yes. <laughs> it's funny. For Alpine, like we said, so sad. Ocon's birthday, race day. The highlight, he did have some really amazing actions. He had gained eight places. He had this amazing pass on Alonso, which the announcers called by the width of a 10-pound note, which was funny. (laughs) Also, his pass of Checo was really good. So that was just really tragic that he had to retire. And yeah, his radio was so sad. It was like that Charles scream from his driver error in Imola that became that Taylor Swift trouble. I knew you were trouble. (laughs) Remix. That was brutal. And just, and same with George, like hitting the wheel. And you can just tell, just, they were so upset. It was hard to watch. Okay, McLaren. We had Lando P2, Piastri in the points. This is their best result in Singapore since Jensen Button in 2012. And this is Lando tying up for his best result ever. And Piastri made up 10 places. So I think all around, McLaren can definitely go home and be really happy with this weekend heading into next weekend. They did bring 
pretty significant upgrades um, on their car, or at least mostly on Lando's car, partly on Piastri's. And they also had their stealth mode livery for the Asia swing for the night race. It was really, really fun. I loved it. I thought it looked so cool in their race suits. It was awesome. It was so cool. Um, and yeah, so the the package or the upgrade package was really significant. The announcers were saying during practice that it was practically a C-spec car. And Will Buxton was explaining how the teams have to submit diagrams, like showing which areas of the car were changed. Basically, they had circled everything and changed everything. So um, I saw the pictures. Literally, like every part of the car was circled. It was like so a funny. Experiment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Pato, our favorite, Pato Award is going to be driving in Abu Dhabi in FP1. So that's super exciting. Good to see him back in an F1 car soon. When we interviewed him at Indy and we asked him what his like Indy break plans were, he did not say that. Maybe he I mean, <laughs> maybe he wasn't allowed to announce it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. should have given you guys the first scoop. Yeah, <laughs> come on, Pato. Let us break the news. <laughs> for Alfa Romeo, Joe is coming off a high of his driver announcement this weekend. He was re-signed for 2024 alongside Botas, but unfortunately started from the pit lane with a new power unit. I think overall really hoping they can turn this season around a bit. Hopefully now with this re-signing, they can just keep their heads down, focus on the individual weekends now that they have that lineup locked in. Yeah, I think that was a good move to re-sign him. Consistency, he's going to have his first home race next year, which is super exciting. And people, I was I was reading some analysis or whatever about why they re-signed him. And apparently in, in qualifying next to Botas, they're like super impressed with his pace. So even though the good. car isn't as great as we would hope, I think he's definitely shown some, some impressive improvement. For Aston Martin, so after Stroll's crash in quali he was not able to drive on sunday so aston martin only had one car in the race they said he still felt sore after his really high impact crash and honestly the car probably wasn't able to get done in time or they probably would have had a reserve driver in the car but yeah it's pretty unfortunate when a team can't even field two cars in a race and the other sad part was alonzo's day it was just a very very bad no what's the phrase no good very bad day (laughs) but (laughs) Five-second time penalty for him crossing the pit lane. His radio of this is undrivable, a 26-second pit stop. It's and just so bad. Finished dead last of the cars that finished. So really unfortunate. I was just reminiscing on like our earlier radio of the week this season where it was like, this is a lovely car to drive. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. For – Alpha Tauri, Lawson outqualified Yuki, made it into Q3, got his first points in F1 and only his third appearance as a rookie, finished Amazing. P9. As we said, Yuki retired on lap one due to a puncture, the second race in a row, which is so sad for him. So we talked about this last episode, but it'd be great to talk about kind of updated thoughts on the Alpha Tauri seats next season. I am just so impressed by Lawson. I think he really deserves a seat. It's shocking that this is a famously difficult circuit it's a narrow street circuit that's one of the most physically demanding races that he had not driven before and in the car that is last place in constructors got into q3 and got points and i didn't know this but apparently he was in the post race show he was being kind of a little critical or like talking about improvement where he was saying, Oh, I could really like improve off the line. That's something we're working on. And they were talking about how the clutch drop in an F2 car is completely different. And so he's He's doing all of this. Like it's just, uh, it's uh, absolutely amazing. I'm team Lawson, Lawson and Lawson and Danny. (laughs) 
Ooh, I Ooh, am going to say Yuki uh, and Lawson. I I mean, I've said this since Danny's come back, which I know has been an unpopular opinion, but I just feel like Danny really needs to prove that he deserves a full-time seat and I just don't feel like that's there. And part of it obviously well, he broke out. his hand. <laughs> yeah. No, but well, we were we were we've been discussing this, you know, since he's yeah. been back and before the hand. Like it's unfortunate of course that he's broken his hand and hasn't been able to race, but We'll see when he comes back and see how he does. But I feel like if AlphaTauri and Red Bull organization are smart, they're going to be looking at, you know, Lawson's performances and the oh, promise yeah. there. I agree. But I think I have changed my opinion on this from last week. I think say you take Lawson as a given for one seat, then if you stack up Yuki and Danny, I still think Danny wins. Like based on number one pace and number two, like his past as a super successful Grand Prix winning driver. Like I've always been a a bit of the Yuki skeptic. I just do not think he's after multiple seasons. I don't think he's really delivered to the extent that the Red Bull organization is going to expect. As we have seen, they have put a lot of time and trust into him. And then someone shows up after (laughs) a rookie who's never driven the car before and is out qualifying him. Yeah, but I feel like that says more about Liam than it necessarily does about Yuki. I, yeah. I'm also, I've also been a bit of a Yuki skeptic, but I'm also a Danny skeptic when it comes to like the race seat, and I just <laughs> don't think healthy. that Danny beats Yuki. That he's like put Liam in both cars. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just pull an Aston Martin and only field one car. <laughs> oh boy. Um, okay, anyway. let's wrap up on the two teams we have left here. So Haas, amazing that they got both cars into Q3. K-Max had, had some awesome wheel-to-wheel defending against Max, which we love to see. But in the end, you know, a, a quality car is on a race car. They were still really struggling with race pace. So we'll have to see how they can translate, like, fast Saturdays into really good Sundays because they just cannot manage their tires on Sunday. And for Williams – their livery it was very very cool it was special for the weekend and it was really nice but it was overall besides the cute livery a race to forget <laughs> for them uh but Albon definitely should have been up in the points if it hadn't been for that unfortunate collision with Checo so hopefully we'll see them try to recover from that for next weekend okay who's gonna give us our our <laughs> rendition of radio of the week Smooth operator. <laughs> oh, that was good. Gorgeous. No, that was not very good, but uh, I loved seeing Carlos sing. That was so fun. And I love that he leans into the smooth operator thing. So that was oh, obviously our radio of the week. But yeah, that was a fun one. Super exciting for him. For standings, before we jump into a quick Japanese Grand Prix preview. So for drivers, we have Max, of course, 374. Checo with 223, Lewis with 180, Alonso with 170, Carlos with 142, and Charles with 123. So Lewis moved into third ahead of Alonso, which is crazy. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if Checo can hold on to that P2. And what are your guys' guesses for when Max cinches the title here? In two races. No, yeah, after Japan. Okay. Qatar? Yeah. Qatar was mathematically the first time that, or the earliest that Max could cinch it. There's like a spreadsheet going around Reddit everywhere. So <laughs> I don't know after this race what it is. Yeah. But probably, Qatar is probably still possible. I think Checo's the only one who could could beat him. Anyway, constructors, we have Red Bull with 597, Mercedes with 289, Ferrari with 265, Aston Martin with 217, and McLaren with 139. So 
Ferrari extended the gap over Aston Martin, and it's going to be a tight battle for P2 and constructors. Jumping into a quick Japanese Grand Prix preview, Suzuka fans and drivers absolutely love this circuit. Almost every driver at one point has said it's one of their favorites. It's super fast, has flowing corners. People just love the vibe. The fans also bring a really great energy. The grandstands are typically packed even on Thursdays just to watch everyone set up. Just really next level dedication. We saw this with the torrential downpour last year. And if we yeah, remember all of that, the fans just stuck it out like absolute champs. For the circuit, it's 5.8 kilometers and 53 laps. It's a famous figure eight shape. So the track crosses over itself and has some snaking S-curves. So it's a challenging race, but also one of the best to watch. It's a narrow high-speed circuit with fast corners, very little room for errors, just one DRS zone, which is interesting. And there's some elevation changes. And while it's not the easiest overtaking track, there's usually a decent amount of action. So this track has had some drama and safety issues in the past. This was the tragic incident or the tragic scene of the Jules Bianchi crash in 2014 where he lost the car, very wet conditions, low visibility, and he had that uh, major crash and then died the following year. For last year's race. So last year's race was probably the most chaotic of the entire season. Multiple attempted starts due to heavy rain, the horrible Gasly incident that we were mentioning earlier with the tractor, and then the two-hour red flag, the championship confusion. Yes. Let us not forget. I had <laughs> Max about that. I know. Max was crying. And I was champion. aggrieved as a Max fan. I was like, <laughs> yeah. no <one's> celebrating. <laughs> He, it was just so confusing. There, Everybody was uncertain. Lots of people thought he didn't have enough points because he didn't get fastest lap. But then Charles got a five-second penalty, so he was congratulated after the fact. And lest we forget the ridiculous red armchair with that white fur throw. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I remember I was going back and watching. Like He literally has a quote saying, I feel a bit lonely like sitting on it. And then walk back into the cool down room with Charles and Checo. So, so weird. <laughs> yeah. The highlight of that race was Checo's performance to help Max since cinch the championship. He needed to push Charles out of the P2 spot and put enough pressure on him so that Charles made that error. So good for well, Checo. Feels kind of ironic now. But anyway, <laughs> speaking of Checo, let's talk about the team. So I think Red Bull, I imagine they'll have figured out their setup issues for this race. But we'll see. Uh, This is a very different circuit than Singapore, a lot more flowing corners instead of the sharp 90 degree ones. So I think their luck could be different. It's going to be a completely different track for them. For Ferrari, they are riding a high here. They've had such great pace, promise these last few races. So it would be awesome to see them continue that streak, keeping an eye out on the Charles versus Carlos pace in quali. And if Carlos can keep it up without qualifying uh, Charles. So we'll see. For Mercedes, so this is one of the driver's favorite tracks. Lewis has said Suzuka has to be one of my favorite circuits, if not the favorite one. It's very cool. Uh, the first section is the best roller coaster ride that I felt in a Formula One car, which is Ooh. crazy. For Alpine, hopefully we'll see their upgrades in action at Suzuka. Gasly did say he was happy with how the car performed this weekend in Singapore. So happy driver equals happy life, happy wife, life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, for McLaren, Oscar will be getting the full package, so that should bode well for him. And for Alfa Romeo, they are hoping for an upswing for the tail end of their season. Both drivers are locked in. They're only five points ahead of Alfa Tari and Constructors. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, anything at this point will be better for them. Yes. 
For AlphaTauri, it was Yuki's debut home race last year, so we're going to get to see round two at home for him next weekend. He was not able to get points last year, but we're hoping this is his year, especially after two DNFs in a row that were not his fault. But let's see if Danny's coming back. Um, It's going to be interesting to see if he is and how he performs. So Haas, again, they were struggling with tire deg on, on this Sunday, so it would be great if they could pull a full weekend together, not just quali. Aston Martin, really, the only way they can go is up from here. So <laughs> if they're, yeah. So if Alonso wants to reclaim P3 in the tr- championship, he's going to have to pull together a really good race. And then for Williams, some comments were made by Albon last week about him not, quote, rushing to commit to Williams for his future, but that he's been super excited about the team's progress this season, is looking to help continue that through 2024 but that he's leaving himself open to options in 2025 with both Ferrari and Red Bull having potential openings after next season. So what do you guys think Albon's future holds in post-2024? What team do you think he would go? Some glints of brilliance this year with Williams. So I think if he can have that a better season than this season, like build off of that for next year, I think it's anyone's guess. Like he could definitely move up to some of the, the teams that are more in the midfield. Yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, Checo's seat will be open after 2024. I think both Lewis and George are locked in through end of 2025, but I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think Albon definitely has what it takes, but Albon's also a known entity at Red Bull, and that didn't go super well the last time around, so I wonder if he would get a second chance there or not. Okay, what are everyone's hot takes? I think for me, I am on the Liam train now. So nice. I'm super excited. He has competed in Formula in Japan, so he's familiar with his circuit. So I think if he races, if Danny's not in in a condition to be able to race yet, I'm going to go with points and a strong performance from Liam. All right. I am going to go Yuki points. So I guess we're double the Alpha Tauri hot take here, but uh, wow. I, I really want Yuki in the points for his home race after not being able to snag those last year. So Fingers crossed for that. I'm also on the AlphaTauri game. I'm going to say Danny is back Ooh. for the next race. Although he couldn't even tie his laces this weekend, so I don't know about that. And I'm going to say Russell on podium to make up for this sad weekend in Singapore. All right, for some news this week. So number one, rumors are that Andretti is close to passing the first step towards his bid for an F1 team. People think it will be announced as early as this week. There are definitely more steps needed before anything becomes official or super likely. The decision, I think, lands on Stefano Domenicali's desk next, but apparently signs are pointing in the right direction for passing the FIA's first step towards an F1 team. So that would be very crazy news. And then... Last piece of news. So Helmut Marco, we mentioned last week his discriminatory comments against Checo and saying or insinuating that his ethnicity was part of the reason for his inconsistency. He has been given a written warning about those comments uh, by the FIA, reminding him of the code of ethics. And yeah, I feel like I guess hope, it's good he's he gotten a written <laughs> warning, but like, yeah, I would love to see like some commentary like public commentary from red bull or something about this you know yeah (laughs) unlikely but thanks for sticking with us through all this longer episode we had a lot to talk about it was really fun and we will catch you on the other side of suzuka 